Spinner. Welcome to Notebook, a guide to art, culture, and tourism in Tokyo. My name's Stuart Monroe, a long-term resident of the city, and each weekday around this time, I'll bring news and views from Japan. And as the prospect of travel draws ever closer, I'll also note changes in travel as and when they happen. The Serekogen farm just outside the town of Sera is now home to more than a million Himawari sunflowers. The farm midway between Fukuyama and Hiroshima was founded 27 years ago with the hope of turning the former tobacco field into a bursting tourist spot. Now 50 different sunflower fill a six and a half hectare site. Flowers at the end of last month bloomed three days early due to hot weather in June and July. And one of these, the red Procut variety from the US, is pollen free and characterized by its deep red flower. Other varieties are over two meters tall and the Sunfinity variety blooms with a hundred flowers from a single root. With a Dahlia festival in September, a radish festival in November and an annual tulip festival in April, it's sunflowers that attract the most people and are the most dramatic. Fields at the Sarakorgan farm are open to the general public until August the 21st. Elsewhere, sunflowers in Kagoshima also bask in the sight of the East China Sea. Residents in Nagashima started cultivating the flower three years ago, with nine hectares seeded following the potato harvest this spring to dress the local landscape and fertilize their fields. And since the sunflower is also the national flower of Ukraine, donation boxes have popped up supporting Ukrainians who fled the current war and settled in the area. Having spent the weekend in Nagoya attending the Aichi Triennale, some of that weekend was spent walking around Fushimi and Sakai, two downtown areas of the city, home to the world's biggest planetarium and the Aichi Art Center. And while the Art Center plays host to this year's Triennale, it was also playing host to this year's World Cosplay Summit too. The first night was spent drinking at Daijin, an izakaya from 1907 in the Fushimi area. It's one of those rare places that appears on TV, but some phased by the attention it gets. That said, the whole weather probably doesn't help either. Doors are flung open, with fans everywhere that seem to have little or no effect on the dead heat but Daijin is still busy inside. Small dishes or atte like shirai or mashed tofu with vegetables, naso no nibitashi or braised aubergine, ikani simmered squad, even ajino nanbanzuke, nanban style marinated mackerel are all there to pick and choose from. Drinks come direct though, and when all is finished, dishes are counted there in front of you by soroban, a Japanese abacus. The next day we have udon for lunch at Ipachi Honten, a small shop run by an elderly couple. Kishimen is Nogoya's own style of flat udon, handmade and incredibly cheap at 370 yen a bowl. And the atmosphere there is almost frozen in time, undisturbed and uninterested by any number of other Kishimen shops nearby. At Nagoya station we waited for a train back to Tokyo. We'd spent the day walking hours through Nagoya, Tokoname and even Arematsu and dehydrated from the sun Miso Katsu gave us the kick we needed before heading home. Dark miso tasted sharp and electric, like licking a battery, and suddenly before we knew it, we were on our way, rejuvenated. That's all for now, I'll be back tomorrow with more news and views. If you enjoyed this episode, you might consider rating us on our podcasts. 
or think about spreading the word online. But for now, thanks for listening. This has been Notebook. Notebook.